Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mullinger Meets Canadians is brought to you by Nova Scotia Business Incorporated. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian James Mullinger and the co-founder of Edit Magazine. This is Mullinger Meets Canadians, the podcast where we meet Canadians who are making waves on the world stage. In this episode, I'm speaking with Doug Jones, the founder and CEO of Ignite Labs. I've been a huge admirer of Doug's for some time due to our shared belief that anything is possible in the small towns and cities of Atlantic Canada. Doug is an innovator, an inventor and an entrepreneur with over 20 years experience in product design and business development, working with global sports companies such as Wilson, Louisville Slugger, Rawlings Toronto Blue Jays, Phil Sims Quarterback Camps, Pro Performance Sports and many more. But it was in 2018 that Doug founded Ignite Labs in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, and he has been leading the organization to develop a startup and innovation ecosystem in rural Nova Scotia. In short, Ignite helps rural communities innovate by providing access to technology, resources and mentorship for startups. Open to any industry or sector, Ignite helps make ideas become a reality. And Doug is currently helping the growth of over 30 companies in these regions, including a film production company, an independent game studio, a sports brand, catering firm, and even my favourite, a British boutique. Doug is a mentor to many and is the king of celebrating, highlighting and supporting rural entrepreneurship and then promoting it globally. In other words, we have a lot in common and a lot to talk about. So let's do it. Doug, it is so lovely to finally meet you, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, well, I mean, I have, I have so many questions because you are one of the few people who, like myself, has espoused the view for many years that in a rural location, you can offer services as world-class as any of the big cities. So can you tell me a bit about the creation of Ignite Labs and, and how it all came about? Sure. Basically, where it started from was I was uh, an entrepreneur in the rural place, and I was doing some pretty interesting things on a on a global level, especially around the sports marketing and and sports product development space. And uh, some friends of mine in in government started asking me questions on how I was able to do this from a rural place without a lot of resource. And really, the conversation went to a place where they asked me if I could show other people how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we had many discussions, of course. And I said, you know, really a good opportunity is to set up a innovation hub in these rural places that provides the entrepreneur with the resources that I would have liked to have as a 23 or 24-year-old entrepreneur. Right. And uh, we started building it out from there and really built out uh, uh, access to resources and mentorship and programming and things like this that help support the entrepreneur through the startup phase. And really, it's 
I kind of went on a shopping spree where I pur- purchased a lot of equipment, and and I mentioned earlier about, you know, I'm recording in our full professional sound studio in Yarmouth, and those are the types of things that just weren't available to me as an entrepreneur, and I kind of wanted to see what would happen if I provided them to entrepreneurs in these rural places, and that's kind of how it started, so... Amazing. I mean, as you say, I mean, all of those little details make so much difference. You know, uh, for a young entrepreneur starting uh, a new business anywhere, you know, just having the access to be able to, as you say, be able to conduct an interview with with a publication or a podcast globally and for it to actually sound professional and sound clear is, right. is everything but also i mean yeah. what i love so much is that so it's such a maritimes thing that you were there as as a as a sports designer being being very successful with your business as you say you were dealing with people globally you had uh, you know, huge deals with with you know california based companies but then you were kind of approached about this thing and yet you chose to kind of focus on helping others that is such uh, a maritimes thing to do <laughs> was there a moment though where you thought i don't want to share my secrets <laughs> no i i i was lucky through my entrepreneurship career was uh, i i was able to learn from other mentors yeah. and there were people along the way and i don't even know if they realized the handout they gave me right. <laughs> to to start my business but i've always believed that you have to help others yeah. you know and by doing that it helps build a stronger ecosystem and a stronger network of people uh, you know it's not always yeah I, I like to give other people access to my knowledge and my resources and stuff but it's also self-serving in a lot of ways mm-hmm. you know i'm still building my companies yeah. i'm still running my sports companies i've launched a new company recently with a couple of partners of mine and I still get excited about starting business and I get excited about watching a young guy or a girl start a business. Yeah. It's a, it's it's super exciting and it's super stressful <laughs> and there's a lot of fear and anxiety associated but if I can help somebody else through that process and really surround them with uh a blanket of resources. I, I think it's going to lead to something really special in Nova Scotia and, and throughout Atlantic Canada. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, you are a, a shining example. Like growth and and huge success doesn't have to be competitive and can no. be collaborative. And as you say, as things uh, build up within the region locally, but also provincially, and indeed, as you say, a, a, across Atlantic Canada, that can only be a good thing for everyone. What are some examples of that kind of growth that you've seen where someone that you might have assisted has now become a, a close collaborator or such like? Well, I think any company that has come through here, I look to create collisions. I look to create collisions between entrepreneurs and organizations and that's always been the basis for what I do. But even with our founder group and companies that have kind of gone through our system and graduated, they come back and they help to mentor other entrepreneurs and and really be involved. Even one of our recent company that was based here, Pinkaloo, got acquired a, a few weeks ago. Well, Mark, one of the guys from the company, is coming back to help choose our next cohort wow. of new companies. So, so I want them involved because they're part of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. They're part of the rural 
innovation network, I guess. And and I guess the other part is you talked about Atlantic Canada. It's we've built a network of organizations that collaborate together. We work closely with organizations like Planet Hatch and uh, and Volta and Startup Zone and PEI and and groups like this that we kind of share resources right. and access each because we realized early that we can't be everything. Right. We're not experts on everything. We're uh, I like to tell people I'm an expert on very little <laughs> actually, <laughs> but I'm but I'm good at finding talent. Right. I'm good at finding resources. So our network across Atlanta Canada has been a major contributor to our growth and our success. So connecting those entrepreneurs as part of it is is vital. Amazing. What's so exciting about it is that, I mean, with everything that's happened in the world in the last year, people are now starting to kind of recognize kind of globally the importance of rural communities, the ways in which you can do business in places globally and you don't need to be in a bigger city. But, but you were there uh, ahead of the curve saying this well before it became kind of fashionable to do so. And I think that's one of the things that I found so fascinating when I first read about your story and about Ignite was that when people asked me where are my favorite places to do stand-up, the two favorite places I always said were Yarmouth and New Glasgow. So when I saw that those were your two main I was like I need yeah. I need to meet this guy uh, because, yeah. you know, you're essentially doing for yeah and and do, yeah. you know doing for entrepreneurship and tech and all of these all of these industries what uh, I, I have tried to do for comedy in those places so it's right. uh, well, how does it feel though to have been at head, head of the curve and how does it feel now that everyone else is catching on well yeah and I I don't even know if I'm ahead of the curve mm-hmm. I'm just paying attention. Right. Um I think innovation always happened in these rural places. Mm-hmm. Like we're a uh Yarmouth as an example is a heavy seafood sector area. So there was always innovation taking places in there like as far back as you want to research. People were innovating because it was a matter of survival. Right. They needed to catch more fish. So they developed new ways to do it, or they needed to get to the fishing grounds faster. So they developed technology. You know, people don't realize like there's a a guy who originated from Yarmouth named John Patch, mm. and John died penniless, <laughs> but but he was the inventor of the screw propeller, wow. the very first uh, screw propeller to propel boats. And uh, the very first sailing with a screw propeller was from this region to St. John, New Brunswick, um, which was fascinating to me. And that was a long time ago. But imagine the world without a screw propeller, Um, you know, the way we move around, the way we fish. So those types of innovation take place all the time in these rural places. But we... We haven't done a good job of celebrating that and really creating circumstances for economic benefit because of those inventions. You know, John Patch didn't know much about patenting Mm -hmm. and he didn't know much about business. Um, So he just wanted to go catch more fish, (laughs) which is great. But, uh, you know, so we want to we want to continue with that slant. and, And the other thing, I guess, is. I'm a member of, I guess, an expert entrepreneurship group with this organization called OECD. It's a worldwide entrepreneurship 
policy group, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're based in rural locations. So I'm actually communicating with rural entrepreneurs from around the world in, in places like Scotland and New Zealand and Japan and Germany and places. And I'm learning from what's happening on the ground in those communities too. And we're not that dissimilar right. <laughs> from these other rural places. We're all very much the same. We speak different languages and we dif- have different industry. But through covid They've experienced the same difficulties that we've had, and they've also learned that there's bigger opportunities out there. If you digitize a community and if you embrace technology, your market is actually a lot bigger than it was a year ago. And uh, that's the type of thing that we're starting to put in place is how do you transform these rural communities to embrace that technology wave? And uh, it's really interesting through COVID. And and how do you do that? What are the steps that you're taking and indeed the other like-minded people are taking to do so? Well, what we're doing, uh, we actually just launched a a project. It's a partnership with a group called Global Skills Hub and Global Villages. And what it is, is we've actually recognized that a lot of people want to move to Canada from around the world. And we have certain gaps in our rural communities around technology. So we started a program where we're bringing six senior software engineers from around the world, and they're immigrating to Yarmouth. Wow, amazing. And and one of the things we want to see is what the possibilities are by introducing this talent that didn't exist in these rural places and what can come of it. And we've already started to see spin-offs. So we've got, and, and we're just going through the immigration, like Yusuf Khatib, the CEO of the company is here now. He moved here from Romania. We've got a young guy from France. We've got a guy from Dubai, a guy from India, a couple of guys from Nigeria, all moving here Amazing. with senior, senior software talent. So, That solves two things for us. We've always talked about the need for more immigration. Um, So check. (laughs) And then uh, then, uh, the other thing is the tech gap. So we're doing an e-commerce rollout for the region, concentrating on the local market, but really empowering small enterprise who don't have a digital footprint to get on this platform and showcase their products and, and sell their products online without having the burden of, of developing their own e-commerce. Uh, or or they might only have one product they're selling yeah. and their market is local. So we're building that out and already we're starting to see these guys moving to the area have ideas for new startups. Right. And they're working with our companies to help empower some of their projects with really high-end tech talent. So we hope to expand that project further, but that's really the first of its kind in Canada where we were tying immigration to technology. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. It's early stage, but talk to me in six months <laughs> and I'll, I'll let you know how it went. Yeah. But, uh, I but mean, it's great. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, that is incredibly exciting. It's exciting on a national and global scale anyway. It's an incredible story. I know Yusuf and all these people that have come here. Again, I mean, for someone with his experience and background to come, not only is he ultimately going to be providing jobs for people, he's going to be, of course, educating 
people that are looking to do similar things. Mm. I mean, the, the knock-on effects are incredible. I'm sure also they're all enjoying the amazing quality yeah. of life that Yarmouth has to offer as well. There's so many in- incredible facets to this. But a thing that you touched upon earlier was the idea of, you know, of how we kind of tell our stories and, and, and all the rest of it. And it's, of course, been a wonderful Maritimes trait of, of modesty and humbleness. But sometimes we have to shout and tell our story and yeah. do so. How do we get the message out there that these incredible things are happening other than obviously on this podcast, which is why this podcast exists yeah. to tell these, <laughs> these stories. But, yeah. but how do we get it out there yeah. while also maintaining our Maritimes trait of modesty? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's challenging. I think we all have responsibility for it. Um, I think we have to, and, and I'm as guilty as any. Mm-hmm. Like up until just recently, very few people knew about uh, my background, right. and they knew me as starting Ignite and and growing that, but they didn't know my entrepreneurial background. So I didn't do a good job of that either. But I also sometimes you need platforms. You need things like this podcast to talk about those things. And I encourage, you know, uh, it's one thing to have a website and to put stuff on your social media, but you have to build your network and you have to build relationships outside of the the towns we live in. Mm. And I think that helps amplify the message because the the Atlantic provinces, I see so many really good startup companies, but they're not necessarily companies that are attracting venture capital money and things like this. They're new startups, mm. but they're very interesting. And I like those small startups because they're hungry. They want to build a life for themselves in these communities. They're not necessarily chasing a big exit. And that's not a bad thing. Like I, I'm not criticizing companies that are built to exit. But what I try to do is help build companies that are going to be, they're going to employ five to 10 people in a rural place, right. and they're going to be around for the next hundred years. <laughs> you know, yeah. we want we want longevity and, and economic prosperity. When a company exits, that prosperity oftentimes leaves. Right, And um, so a number of our companies, although they're developing really cool technologies and innovation, they're built to last and they're built to stay here. And uh, I like that aspect. Um, That's what makes our communities vibrant is is to have this little uh, hub of activity um, happening. So. Absolutely. As you say, I mean, and lots of small businesses makes for such a a more well, inclusive and positive place for people to live because A, it means more companies, B, it means there's more choices for people, both in terms mm-hmm. of employment and their kind of day-to-day living. I mean, I think yeah. for, for my part, I mean, when I first started reading about what you do, it really highlighted the importance of kind of long-form journalism because everything that I'd kind of read about Ignite was, of course, uh, people are always very excited about it, but every article mm-hmm. would be, you know, a 200 word uh, newspaper piece where they just want to get the get the bare bones of the facts out but not really yeah. talk about the scale of it and for me I mean as soon as yeah. I started digging and again I mean your website is fantastic and it's designed beautifully but once you get in there and you see that it isn't just one particular field that you're helping no. you know it's everything from you know your gaming company film company as you said lobster trap company um chocolate athletic clothing yeah. and and of course my favorite uh the British boutique uh bringing oh, yeah. um, all of the <laughs> British products that that, that, yeah. that, that new 
newcomers, immigrants like myself, have been missing. Uh, the, yeah. the the cream tea, which no one was doing in in anywhere in right. Canada, is um, so it's it's all of those things. Is there kind of a strategy for kind of uh, getting that message out there further that there is such a wealth of of and a wide variety of businesses that you're helping? Yeah, it it because we're kind of industry agnostic. We don't have uh, sp- we're not tech focused. We're not anything really. We're just welcoming. I think that provides a unique opportunity, but also a unique problem for us is that when we share all this, it's all from different sectors. And and sometimes it's hard for people to, because I hear people when I'm in the room, describe me as a tech hub. And I, I don't necessarily, that's not how I describe myself. Really what what I envision us as is a hub for entrepreneurs and innovation, but it can be anything. So I think we have a unique challenge simply because we've built Ignite on four pillars of belief, I guess, that we were working with startups, like I said, running accelerators, giving them resources, all that. But then we also work with existing industry Mm -hmm. and we do industry challenges. So we work a lot with the seafood and ocean sector, and we have partnerships with Cove in Dartmouth, who uh, are a global leader in in ocean tech. Um, And uh, we're working with the Pier Project in the Port of Halifax and around marine transportation and infrastructure and logistics. And so we're involved in different things and uh, we're even involved <laughs> we we've been known as uh, the garbage uh, collectors because what we're we're working on a lot of things to do with waste um, and it sounds funny but we we waste an incredible amount of product right. in in Canada in general but when you look at our our seafood and agricultural sectors, there's a huge amount of waste that's created from those sectors. And what we're trying to do is create circumstances for that waste to be commercialized into higher value products. So we're doing things, uh, working with the Icelandic supercluster and the Norwegians around what they've done um, to commercialize that product. And we're trying to bring that to our industry and and support things like automation and uh, innovation and technology adoption inside of our traditional industries. And that's what makes us a little different from an industry innovation standpoint. Mm-hmm. So we do that. And then we work with youth uh, around entrepreneurship and STEM. Uh, you know, we've collaborated with partner organizations to offer the Young Women in Ocean Tech initiative where young girls from across the province are all learning from ocean experts, female leaders in different aspects of the ocean tech industry. And we've been doing that throughout the winter and and now into the spring. And we need to create opportunities for our youth to identify with career paths that make sense. And for our region, so we're also collaborating with Nova Scotia Innovation Hub to do careers in sustainability initiative around some of those waste streams, our plastics, our our forestry industry, our renewable resources. So those are the things I get excited about because those are those are big businesses. Yeah. And uh, we're just trying to convene and and create collisions again that 
that really good things will spin out of this. And we have to look at those sectors with a new viewpoint and see if we can do things better. Um, so yeah, yeah that's what, <laughs> you know, so I, that's the problem with our marketing and our messaging is we're doing so many different things. It makes it difficult sometimes to say what we are. Right, <laughs> right, that's we're, it. we're a complicated thing. <laughs> yeah, we're a complicated thing. That should be the headline yeah. of all articles. Yeah. And as you say, I, mean, I think that's the tricky thing is that uh, people are always trying to either pigeonhole or make a story simple. But, um, yeah. you know, again, that's the, the, the why the importance of, of long-form journalism. And again, everything you've just said is so fascinating and inspiring because essentially you know you're talking about big business big business for the region uh big business nationally but also saving the world at the same time and yep. what an important message to send to young people that we are saying uh come and live and you know don't think you have to go to a bigger city to be uh, successful when this no. this you know intelligent thinking that British prime ministers and American presidents and and they can't even get their head around this stuff and yet it's happening in a smaller place. Yeah, well, actually I've been all morning this morning because we have, um, in Nova Scotia, we have these MIT REAP teams. uh, We're doing training with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and we've been talking about this, Mm -hmm. talking about the models in Silicon Valley and stuff like this and and really, those models are broken right. um, because because even when you look at organizations like Shopify, mm-hmm. well, Shopify now has a distributed workforce that's they're living in our rural communities, right. like they're they're no longer sitting in a big campus in downtown Ottawa or downtown San Francisco or wherever. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. Uh, we can actually build big business from these rural places. And I think we can do it a lot more efficiently because with infrastructure projects like the one uh, Develop Nova Scotia is doing in Nova Scotia with the rural internet broadband rollout, that simple piece of the puzzle empowers a lot of businesses to reach a global audience. If we have really solid infrastructure, we can do pretty much anything from here. And and I guess I was proof of that in developing my my sports products and working with Wilson and Louisville Slugger and companies like that. That you know, I was doing that from a little old Yarmouth. Hmm. And when people find that out, like if I tell people in Chicago, I live in Yarmouth, I might as well be telling them I live on the moon because <laughs> uh, they can't quite, Yarmouth, is that by Toronto? Uh, is their first first question. But, yeah. but once you establish relationships yeah. uh, with those companies, yeah. um, really the sky's the limit. And it comes down to thinking outside of our, our front yard is kind of how I put it. You got to think, what do people want on a global scale? And what can I provide to that market and and work from there? It, it It's worked for me, um, but I had a passion for sports. And to build that business, I was looking at how people trained. And right. I was learning from that. I think I try to instill that in entrepreneurs and industry here, you know, know your customer and understand what it is that they need rather than what you need to sell to them. That's, <laughs> and, that's yeah, it's incredibly smart. 
And and I mean, that must have been, you know, was there a moment that you kind of realized that you know, you obviously knew that, that was what you wanted to do? Yeah, that was where your expertise lay, but m- more importantly, your passion. But when did yeah. you realize that you weren't going to let geography affect that? Or indeed, you weren't going to let the stereotypical idea of, oh, I need to go to Toronto or Montreal or to New York to do this thing. When did you realize that you were going to do it in Yarmouth? And when did you realize that it was going to be hugely successful? Uh, I think I was always, I I always had a vision that I wasn't restricted geographically where I was. Um, There was times that I recognized that, you know, in my own business, because I was doing a lot of different marketing projects and and stuff with different organizations, but I always had fun with the sports related ones. And I didn't have fun with any of the others. (laughs) And so, so I said, I woke up one day and I said, I'm not doing those other things anymore. I'm just (laughs) going to do sports. And when I did that and started working with athletes and working with pro sports teams and, and things like this, I started to recognize that I was also bringing a lot to the table to that market, even though I wasn't a pro athlete or anything like that, I did have a unique perspective on what it, takes to develop a product or develop a a package around around this sport so when i did that that's when everything kind of clicked and it's weird how it sometimes happens when you follow that passion or that that thing that really interests you is you end up colliding with people that take you a step further and and i was i was in situations where i was working with the Toronto Blue Jays and working with some of the players from the World Series teams and stuff. And I, I was fortunate because I, I started to learn from them and they started to introduce me to other people. And and I ended up uh, being in a circumstance where I was at the, the, the Super Bowl in Miami and started getting connected to some major companies. And I, I was just in, in the right place at the right time. And I guess it was a mixture of events that brought me there but that really propelled my company and propelled my relationships with whether it's Easton or Rawlings or Nike or <laughs> whatever company but if i i always look for passion in entrepreneurs are they doing the thing that gets them excited because i still get excited about sports products and uh, and making something new and it's not a money driven thing it's and my partners would tell you that because i'm i i get excited about a lot of things but that's really what happened to me was i i created a circumstance for connection right and when i did that everything kind of snowballed from there and i guess that led me to ignite as well and mm. uh, and starting this so passion first <laughs> is the, is the rule and uh, and everything else falls in place this show is brought to you by nova scotia business incorporated nsbi works towards a strong thriving and globally competitive nova scotia through attracting worldwide investment to create new jobs across the province and working with companies in all communities to be more successful exporters visit novascotiabusiness.com to learn more about doing business in nova scotia
Absolutely. I mean, that that's totally the key to all success, and especially when it comes to entrepreneurship and longevity. I mean, it's funny, there's an example I often use to people about when I first uh, left London and moved to, you know, a small town outside of, of St. John here in New Brunswick and told people that I was a comedian and people were like, oh, well, well you can't do that here. That that doesn't exist. <laughs> there's nothing to laugh about here in New Brunswick. You've got to go out yeah. west if you want to, you know, <laughs> you've got to go jobs and jokes out west. Yeah. You can't, can't do that here. And it's, I always thought that was a strange thing to say because you wouldn't say to a plumber, there's no plumbers in this town, so don't go right. there. You know, if there's no plumbers, then there's a opportunity to be made. And I find that one of the benefits of smaller places is that they're, because there isn't this well-worn path for certain businesses or uh, ideas, you can you can carve out your own. And in many ways, it gives you a yeah. lot more freedom and, in, and also creates a far more kind of organic and real growth, whereby because I wasn't arriving in a place and signing with the biggest agent in New Brunswick. No. What I did was I did what a plumber would do. I went out and I did gigs and people liked them and if they yeah. well if they liked them they would come to more and if they didn't they wouldn't and it's it's organic and real I mean I often joke but I'm the I'm the toilet unblocker of comedy that's how I like <laughs> to see myself because you know there's yeah. a lot of toilet seat unblocking if there's no plumbers in a town um that's right I think that's they're right. kind of you know not only are, they, are you the living embodiment of this you've kind of created this incredible kind of you know almost pipe piper situation where people are following it because they've, they've seen you do it and of course through ignite you've created an environment where everyone can see it but more importantly there are the tools there for them to follow through with it well i think too it's um being entrepreneur led uh, right. i'm not i'm not telling them a recipe what I'm doing is I'm saying, don't do this because it really screwed me up. <laughs> and, and, and it's fascinating to me that you, uh, as a comedian, you re- relocated because that's a, you know, you don't see a lot of comedians in these rural places, but they're actually some of the funniest things happen in rural places. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so a gold mine. It's an absolute right. gold mine right. for comedy. You, yeah. You see the most unique people and the most unique circumstances. And so I think from a comedy standpoint, it'd be huge. It's just, you know, you're probably seen as an anomaly because right. people, uh, I'm fascinated by comedy, but, but growing up, I said, you know, it wasn't a career path. Like you you have to really, it's the same thing. It's a passion thing. You you need to want to get up on stage and, and say something funny and make people laugh, but it's not, it's not that much different than what I'm trying to do. I'm, I'm getting on stage and, and trying to help people become entrepreneurs and do things a little differently and, and maybe better in some ways. But sometimes I can make them laugh, <laughs> but but uh, maybe not in the same way as you. So Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, people often ask me what are the most, you know, you often get asked in interviews, what's the most memorable gig? And I have to say, I mean, the, the Yark Playhouse is one of my favorite yeah. venues, um, not least because it led to, there were certain things which only happen in the Maritimes. And, and right. one show I had, in fact, the first time I performed there, Someone shouted out about the the venue, the Red Knight, and 
uh, and and yeah. and I just kept repeating, well, what is this red night? And everyone was yeah. falling about laughing, and I was thinking, yeah. And I've not even this isn't a joke that I've written. I'm just no. repeating something they've said, and I've never seen an audience laugh harder, which actually kind of hurt yeah. a bit because I'm thinking I've come up here with 90 minutes of honed, prepared material over two decades yeah. in the business. But yeah. um, anyway, of course, what this ultimately led to was the entire audience and myself going to the red night for a drink. Oh man, <laughs> that wouldn't happen anywhere else in the world, would it? No, no. <laughs> The, and and I think that uh, you know you you hit on it is that every community has that welcomeness right. to it. Um, I was talking to Yusuf's wife uh, two, a couple of days ago. They stopped by my place for uh, for a bonfire on the lake, and yes. and uh, we were talking to her. And she's from Romania, and and she, she says, "I can't believe how how many people are so nice here, and and they talk to me." when they see me on the street and in a lot of places we take that for granted, but in a lot of places uh, you don't see that. Right. Like <laughs> in downtown Chicago, you really don't want to talk to people on the street. <laughs> yeah. if, if, but, if anyone comes and talks to you, then they're insane. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's the first instinct. They're insane yeah. or they're going to mug you or do something. So, you know, there's a whole fear thing, but in, in these places, and I feel the same way in, in New Glasgow and Picto and places mm -hmm. like this, that, that the people make the community. Yeah. Um, and yes, we have a unique mix of people. We have a unique mix of culture. Yarmouth's unique just simply because it's a mixture of Acadian and English and it's, it's such a cool place uh, to build a business because I think a lot of people, you get two things. You get a lot of people who really want to see you succeed. Yeah. And then you do get a, a section that doesn't want you to succeed. They're <laughs> hoping for failure. But but that's okay too because it, actually in my circumstances, that drives me a little bit when Tasty. people say, yeah, you can't launch a sports product from Yarmouth. Right. And I've heard that a lot. And uh, so I went and did it and yeah. I did it again and I did it again. <laughs> and now, now I have a whole bunch of products and, but part of it is uh, you have to have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and you have to be willing to put the work in just, just like you're saying with comedy, you have yeah. to get up on stage and, and see what works. Totally. And it's not going to work out of the gates. No. And as you say, yeah. you have to love it because, you know, you, mm. you're not going to, I mean, again, comedy, as with any business, you know, you're going to be essentially working for free for five or 10 years. So you've got to really yeah. love the thing to be willing to get booed off stage every day for, for, for five years running. Yeah. Um, and as you say, it's all about embracing a sense of place, but also yeah. loving what you do. And it's funny you mentioned Picto. Like my my last tour show before the world ended last March was actually at Glasgow Square Theatre, and then oh, my right. first one yeah. back in September when the bubble opened was at the Dacos Centre. And wow. uh, again, yeah. that community is very unique. I mean, it isn't yeah. not not just because of the amazing pizzas, but it's one of the few places you <laughs> can go. Yeah. Um, and I really because. Again, I, I felt like 
I feel more pressure doing a show in a place like that than I do doing a show in downtown Toronto, possibly because I feel like as now a member of the Maritimes community, I feel like everyone is now a neighbor and, and, yeah. and we're probably related in some way, even if we haven't uh, discovered it yet. But, yeah. Um, yeah. but I really make an effort to do my research. So if I go and do a show in, in Picto or Yarmouth, 90% of the show will be stuff that I've learned and studied about the place rather than yeah. just trotting out the same thing. But again, that's the kind of thing that you learn when you're doing business, whether it be creative or tech or anything, is that yeah. you do have to be in, innovative in that way. And um, and as you say, when people said to me, you cannot be a comedian in New Brunswick or you cannot start a print magazine in your house right. in New Brunswick and sell it nationally. And again, not that I'm, I'm combative, but I kind of think, well, uh, I, I would like to prove you wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's interesting because I, I feel that I feel the same way about uh, crowds. Like mm. I feel I could stand up in downtown Los Angeles and speak to a thousand people. No yeah. problem. <laughs> but he, but here, if I speak in front of 10 people, there's a lot more pressure on you just, yes. just because they know you. Um, That's it. And sometimes they don't know everything about you, but they, they feel that you're their neighbor. And yeah. uh, so sometimes it takes people a long time to understand it's more than just the person you think uh, you know, there's something in behind, like to to walk up to you on the street, they're not necessarily going to know that you're a comedian. Right, um, right. You know, but, and that's where, I I think there's some unique opportunities. Like a, I, I, I'd like to see some looks on people's faces as you meet them and say, I'm a comedian. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, yeah, it, it's the same look I said when I, I mean, when I first moved to, I've been telling people for years, they've got to change the dialogue on how they welcome newcomers. Because when I would say to someone, I've just moved here uh, from London, the first thing they would say is they wouldn't say welcome or greetings or welcome to the Maritimes. They would say, why the hell did you move here? And, and I, I'm thinking this is not helpful. Yeah. Making no. newcomers feel like idiots. And I'm like, yeah. why are you saying this? Look around. Yeah. You've got beautiful views, friendly people. And where I am, thanks to annual flooding, waterfront mansions oh. cost seventy nine cents. It's a dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You just have to be able to swim. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as you say, it's changing that dialogue. I mean, I mean, you must have. I mean, and your love for where you live and are based and where you thrive is apparent. But you must be seeing it in a whole different way now. Hearing from Yusuf and his family and their love yeah. for the place. Like, what are the things that you are now seeing through their eyes that makes you appreciate it even more? <sighs> Well, I think part of it is the people, but they also started talking about the landscape mm -hmm. because uh, we have a unique landscape, of course, and people often joke that we're at the end of the world here because we're at the very southernmost tip. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. So, so, but when I look at it, you know, we've got everything from beaches to forests to you name it. The outdoors mm -hmm. is is huge here, and uh, sometimes we living here take that for granted and uh mm -hmm. like i live i i've just recently migrated to my cottage in a place called claire and um and it's a beautiful place i got great friends there and i happen to live on a lake but i also in my backyard i have another lake right. well where else in the world could i live on two lakes at the same time and <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you right. know but uh just the natural beauty that we have here. And I think we have a lot of business. 
Like we have a lot of business happening in this region. We have a lot of business happening in the northern region. And it sometimes gets overlooked when we, there's still that rural urban divide uh, in a lot of ways where we think that all the income generation comes out of metropolitan areas. Yeah. And really, Yarmouth is a good example that, you know, we look at our lobster industry, lobster and crab generates $1.2 billion in exports a year, by far the largest single export. <laughs> in, <laughs> and and half of that is caught in Yarmouth County. Wow. Yeah. And so Yarmouth true. and Shelburne County. So we actually have a huge impact in these rural communities. I feel the same way about the innovation that's happening in northern Nova Scotia and the stuff in manufacturing. And you look at these companies that are doing stuff on a global scale that are very quiet. You don't hear about them. But they are there, and they're generating wealth in Nova Scotia, and, and you see the same things in New Brunswick. You know, yeah, you look so at true. companies like McCain's, who mm-hmm. still had office in Florenceville. Yeah. Well, well, Florenceville is not a very big place, no, and yeah. uh, very, very agricultural. But that's it. You but know, they're attracting people from all over the world to work there, right? That's right. And uh, Sobeys is another great example in, in Stellarton. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they're such a community-driven organization and fortunate that they're working with us at Ignite. They're a fantastic organization. So we have those companies, and I think that there's examples of that throughout the Maritimes. And we're driving economies from rural places a lot of times, and we don't want to downplay that. We want to actually say, we can grow more. Yeah. Uh, we can do more. So. Hopefully that's what's going to happen over the next little while. But COVID is actually a blessing in disguise, I feel, um, for rural places because we now have such an influx of people moving to our region because it's safe. Mm. Uh, We haven't had a case of COVID in Yarmouth. Um, Mm. So just that fact alone, we're seeing people moving here, working from here. I, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. The only problem is our housing prices are going through the roof and <laughs> and there's no place to live for these people coming in. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean that's yeah. a, that, that's I guess that's an important question. Like where do we get the balance right between, you know, five, ten years ago we had the problem of not enough people staying in or moving to rural areas and smaller towns and cities in Atlantic Canada. But now that we are kind of the rest of the world is cottoning on to what we've got here. And of course, as you say, COVID's created this um, situation where people are looking to places like ours and saying, wow, this is a great place to, to live and work. But where is the sweet spot between growth and prosperity and being us becoming overrun with uh, people from Toronto or or even worse, people from England? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I don't I don't know where the happy balance is. I, I think um People that are willing to come here and embrace the the culture and mm-hmm. and really be members of the community, I I'd love to see more and more immigration that yeah. way. I, I think, you know, the fact is when people move here, you start to see different types of things pop up. You start to see new housing development. You start to see new types of shops and services. You mentioned the English boutique, you know, is a good yeah. example, but you start to see restaurants and, and things like that. So I, I, I think diversity 
mm-hmm. is great. I, mm-hmm. I think the need for more of that leads to further innovation. So I'm starting to see a new faux place in, in town. We've got a new Mexican restaurant, things like nice. that, that are fabulous little shops that really uh, provide a different flavor. Uh, but one of the first things uh, Yusuf asked me when he moved here is, uh, where's the Indian restaurant? Right. <laughs> and I said, you haven't started it yet. So, right. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just moving here. Give yourself some time. I said. But, <laughs> yeah. but, As uh, you say, that's the great thing about everything that's happening. Those, those yeah. things are, are yeah. coming. I mean, I mean, what's your kind of wish to see in the area and in the region for uh, a year's time or five years time? Well, I think our hope is that these digitization and technology projects that we're working on, I hope to empower the the region to think outside the box a little bit, to take a traditional industry and really change it, to change it for the better. And, and there's a lot of technology. Our exponential growth rate in Canada in technology, AI, artificial intelligence, that's, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff is just, uh, we need to embrace it now. We don't right. want to be five years down the road saying, oh, maybe we should think about e-commerce <laughs> or, or, you know, we, yeah. we need to be proactive. But that's the idea with this digitization is, can we really change a region? Right. Even with a, a little bit of immigration, a little bit of technology integration, all, all that. I really think that Yarmouth could be a shining example of what we want to do in New Glasgow next or right. in in Florenceville <laughs> or in yeah. you know pick a, pick a rural community because I I think we're going to be um rural community growth is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um we've been losing population for the last however many years. I think that's changing. It's flip-flopping yeah. a little bit where people are moving out of cities that are unlivable at this point, you know, unaffordable. <laughs> so <laughs> you can actually have a really good lifestyle here for less money. And Absolutely. and I think you can build really solid businesses here. Absolutely. And so that's that's the vision. Whether that happens or not, we'll see. We just I, I just think we um you know, the team at Ignite here, you know, I've got some great people that are working hard on this, that we're going to continue to do the right things and just, you know, build it because uh, we're only we're only three years old. So right. Um, right. you've done a lot. You've done a lot I, in that time. <laughs> yeah. And and I have to keep telling myself that because I, I think in terms of my daughter, when she was three years old, she could do a lot of things, but <laughs> but it was usually not the prettiest. Um, you know, we're we're kind of the same. You know, not everything we do is perfect, but uh, we recognize um, don't look for perfection. Look right. for look for action do something because something's better than nothing. Right. So, Absolutely. um, and we got to get out of the hurry up and wait type of mentality. Uh, I, my staff criticized me that I come to them with new projects every day and <laughs> it's overwhelming, but I said, you know, let's just do them. Let's, right. uh, if we fail, we fail, <laughs> you know, there's no harm in failure. Uh, yeah. how many times have you been booed off a stage? You didn't Hundreds. stop. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you don't stop because of that. You just improve. 
Absolutely. Right. So that's the that's the mentality, I guess. Wow. Well, it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, hats off to you for everything you're doing. And I love the fact that we're seeing this kind of uh, innovation everywhere. I mean, again, even in Claire, where your cottage is, I mean, again, just down the road from you, we had um, David Saulnier at JD oh, yeah. Composites create the, 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 the water the plastic bottle house. Yeah. yeah. The, well, the plastic, which... I mean, yeah. it's such an incredible thing. And again, I mean, in the years that I've been living here, I've been pitching to all the newspapers and magazines that I used to write for back home that I wanted yeah. to write about the region. No one ever bit. And then suddenly where that happens, the Sunday Times newspaper, which yeah. is one of the biggest you know, newspapers in the UK, as you know, dispatched yeah. me straight there. They're like, get to Claire now and interview this guy, David Solnier. And I'm like, right, oh, that's innovation. And 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 being, getting global recognition, of course. Yeah. And, and uh, it's funny. David's a good friend of mine. Oh. We, we, we play guitar every Thursday night, him and I and uh, a few other guys. And, and you know, Claire is a place, uh, I always joke with people, I said, uh, the reason why I moved to Claire is that when the end of the world hits, I know people that can fix stuff and build stuff and, and rescue me out of any situation. And, and it's true. Like yeah. these guys, like David and another friend of mine, Jill Terrio, that runs AF Terrio, Boatyard and oh, yeah. guys like that. Like, there's a lot of really cool innovation. Vince Stewart is another good friend of mine who, who's a mad scientist, always inventing new products. And these are all guys in this community, and they're not doing it. Like, I don't think David set out to build a big plastic house manufacturer. Right. He just he just saw an opportunity, and it and it was the right fit for him. And he he's got a great mindset. It's um. And they're very cool, the houses. Yeah. Like, uh, so cool. Yeah. And uh, so you see that a lot. And, uh, you know, Claire is one example, but there's most of our rural regions are like that. If you dig deep enough, they're there. They're doing yeah. neat things. So That's yeah. it. Uh, well, and, and again, I mean, what I love so much about all of this is, uh, you know, again, I've been uh, a big admirer of all that you do from, from afar for some time. Um, I love the fact that this is the, that we are blessed enough to live in a region where we do live in the only place in the world where someone can say, I have a place in Clare. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he knows David Solnier. And sure enough, <laughs> your buddy. This is the only yeah. place that that actually works. That, oh, that, I know. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You must know Dave. Yes, I yeah. do. We play. And he's yeah. told me about those jam nights so that's yeah. uh, that's very funny oh that guy can play i'll tell you oh, what yeah yeah mandolin <laughs> i've never seen anything like it he's so wow. good yeah well in classic maritime fashion he told me he was just a beginner so there we well, go the mod the modesty continues <laughs> well i'm i'm a pre-beginner if he's a beginner so <laughs> but super talented for sure so, Beautiful. Well, yeah. I, I cannot wait to uh, share, spend a jam session with you. I can't wait yeah. to hang out. But um, sincerely, thank yeah. you so much for your time and insights and, and for everything you're doing for this region. No, uh, it, it's really, uh, I say my pleasure. It's, it's <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, nice. I, I love doing it and, uh, and I, I'm glad, uh, people are appreciating it, but, uh, we're doing it for fun. <laughs> My wife says I can continue to work as long as I'm having fun. So, <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm, I'm good for a while. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Keep it up, my friend. And yeah, we okay. will hang soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
show is brought to you by Nova Scotia Business Incorporated. NSBI works towards a strong, thriving and globally competitive Nova Scotia through attracting worldwide investment to create new jobs across the province and working with companies in all communities to be more successful exporters. Visit NovaScotiaBusiness.com to learn more about doing business in Nova Scotia. To learn more about Doug and the incredible work he's doing at Ignite, go to IgniteAtlantic.com or contact Doug via LinkedIn. Further details can be found on the Edit website, MaritimeEdit.com, and I will see you next time. Podstarter. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.